Yes, there is a war. Thank you, God. Thy will be done, O God, on earth in and through us this day as it's being done and declared in heaven, Lord God, as your word says, as you taught us to pray. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord God, this is very significant how you taught us to pray, to command the day, to take authority over the things that are coming to pass so that your will be done. And so that's what we're doing right now, Father. We're declaring that your will is good. You are good to us all the time. And we praise you and thank you for your loving kindness, which is totally demonstrated in the fact that you sent your son, Jesus, you agreed to it, to come down here to lay down your life on our behalf, to take our place uh, in the death chamber that we might live. And I thank you that you gave every drop of blood so that our blood could be cleansed and and redeemed and set free from Satan's wicked accusations, his plots and his plans. I thank you, Jesus, that you've given us power over all the power of the enemy. You didn't just die for us. You made us powerful and given us authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So, Lord, it was a, you know, for the devil, it was a double loss because you also ignited, activated us to do your will and to carry out your kingdom, your kingdom coming to this earth. So, Lord, we pray for that divine Uh, revelation of your loving kindness to us today. And we bind the powers of darkness, those that have taken over the earth and those that have taken over the hearts and souls of men, including the believers. We've come against the powers of despair, discouragement, depression, defeat, unbelief, the, um, just all of the things that confound us and cause us to stumble, Lord God, regarding your love and your goodness. I bind the powers of darkness in the name of Jesus Christ and loose the holy revelation, the love of God and the loving kindness of God into our hearts and our understanding. Father, I thank you also that you've promised us that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, and many words and deeds have been done and said. And we pray that they'd all be fallen to the ground now, covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, that those words and actions, uh, dedications, incantations cannot be used against us, Father God. And we thank you, Lord God, for divine covering and protection for us and our families, for the health and safety of those who are yours, Lord God for the protection and the, and the betterment and the, and the, uh, of our situations. Cover us in our health, safety in our traveling, vehicles and finances, property, the work of our, our hands, the fruit of our calling, the ministries, the plan to which you have called us, Lord God, that you will complete it. And we ask for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the power of your spirit, the power of your word, and the power of your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, Today we're going to be talking about the loving kindness of the Lord, which is desperately needed, the revelation of that loving kindness, because of the fact that everything out there seems to be horrible, if you kind of know what I'm talking about. Yeah, a lot of times we tend to judge the Lord by the circumstances in our own life and what we see around us, Mm -hmm. because we think, okay, Lord, if you're so loving and kind, how come you're allowing all this evil stuff to go rampant? Yeah, we don't understand the perfect plan of God, which, by the way, he says his thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So trying to make an understanding out of all of this is kind of, um, you know, a challenge to our little minds. 
But I, I'm thinking of a couple of places that we'd like to look at today. Psalm 107. Um, it's got 43 verses in it. We're not going to go through all of them. But, um, you know, it says the Lord God satisfies the longing soul. And I think a lot of our souls are longing um, for justice. We're longing for um, deliverance. We're longing for the revelation of truth. We're longing to be set free from the cages, the ensnarements, the, the entrapments. Um, that Satan has built all around us or put us in those cages. But in Psalm 107, let's go there for a bit. Verse 39. um, uh, When they are diminished and brought low. He's talking about the people, of course. Brought low, diminished, decreased, weakened. Um, Your support systems are taken away. Um, All kinds of threats every single day. They make new threats through the media about our lives and whatnot. Through oppression and affliction and sorrow, these kind of seem to be the bywords of description, describing this world these days, full of oppression, affliction, injustice, sorrow. He pours contempt. He, God, pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. So God is, it looks like, pouring contempt. He he's, has no time for those who reject his word, his truth, his goodness. And they end up being contemptuous. They just find God, you know, uh, whatever, um, un, un, unfaithful. Sometimes what we do is we question God because, okay, if he says here he's going to pour contempt on princes, then, you know, and, and eventually take them out. But then we see princes, rulers, yeah, political thriving. leaders, mm-hmm. just thriving mm-hmm. in their wickedness. ongoing <laughs> yeah. wickedness, yeah. evil oppression, mm-hmm, it, you mm-hmm. know, writing unrighteous laws. And, and Isaiah says, woe unto those who write unrighteous decrees. So yeah. we've got rules and policies and mandates and, and stuff that just keep coming from these evil people. It's just daily mm-hmm. there's a barrage of these, this evil that is coming from these like princes. And he says he pours contempt on princes. Well, he can... Uh, there's contempt that he has for them, uh, for these that are, some of them, I think, are never going to be redeemed. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're, they're they were never meant to be redeemed unre- either. Unredeemable people. Yeah, but anyway. But, but sometimes, you know, we wait for when when will you bring the justice? And that's sometimes a, a time when we question right. the loving kindness of the Lord. Yes, and but the word yet in verse 41, yet he sets the poor on high far from affliction and makes their families like a flock. The righteous see it and rejoice, and all iniquity stops its mouth. So what he's saying here is, even though you have you have two things going on, you have the contempt, the unrighteous, the wickedness, the oppression, the affliction, the injustice, then you have the poor who are set on high, far from, far from affliction. He makes their families like a flock. It doesn't seem like that. It doesn't really seem to appear to look like that at all, and we can all make long, strong arguments against um, this verse. It doesn't look like my family's coming together. It looks like they're dividing. It looks like we have tons of affliction or being picked on. And, and he says, but the righteous see it and rejoice and all iniquity stops its mouth. So the righteous are seeing something other than what something looks like. There, And he says, whoever is wise will observe these things and he will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Isn't that crazy that the psalmist sums up all of this uh, compromise and contention and contradictions and actually contradictions 
with the declare, declaration that if you understand these things, you will understand the loving kindness of God. So there has to be something in all of this that begins to uh, reveal the goodness of God over what, you know, but here, here's, the, here's the challenge of faith, and we've been talking about faith. The challenge of faith is to overcome these apparent appearances, these inconsistencies, um, and, and cause us to know the truth, walk in the faithfulness of God. Um, because we can stumble. We, you know, when we're going with what it looks like, what it feels like, um, you know, what it appears to be in the, in the inconsistencies of God, really. Where is God? I prayed. He didn't answer me. Um, the, you know, where is his goodness to deliver me? Um, you know, constantly look like he's, like he's, he's judging, striking people down, but where is wisdom in all of this? Um, like you just said, Jerry, personally, we begin to make a lot of judgments about the goodness of God and the character of God based on the circumstances of our lives. Yeah. When you think of, you know, people, uh, in in certain nations, even as we speak today, where people are um, oppressed mm-hmm. with with war and mm-hmm. slaughter, and families are separated, and people are 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 lost and and living as refugees, you know, people can say, "Where is the goodness and the kindness right. of God in the in the midst of all this?" When it's just it's just terror and bloodshed and bodies lying, bloody bodies dying, yeah. li- laying in the streets. Uh, there, where do we find the goodness of God in the midst of those mm-hmm. situations? Well, actually, that's the temptation. To that is the actual uh, testing of our faith to to see these things and not be persuaded by them. But but very few people really spend enough time, I think, with God or know Him well enough, or in the word enough or have enough wisdom and understanding from the Holy Spirit to see the loving kindness of God in all of these negative circumstances. If you think about it, um, it causes our hearts to not be steadfast. We, we waver. We're not held fast. Uh, our footing is not sure. Our bodies are sick, compromised, crying out for healing. Um, we simply, we've lost hope. We don't trust in or rely upon the goodness of God to restore us because we're weary and we have been programmed by your own personal experiences to opt for defeat, to believe, condemnation, confusion. Uh, and, and we live in a divine contradiction so that whatever, you know, it doesn't look like God is good. The doubtful, the double-mindedness takes over in our lives. And, the, and James says, if, if you're double-minded and you ask God for something, don't think you're going to get anything because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So we're failing to comprehend the very goodness and kindness of God. And Job says in his calamity, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yeah, trusting God in the midst of all this when everything in your circumstances, everything in your feelings, everything in your uh, present experience says contrary. But here's where faith is challenging us and love is perfect love is casting out fear, but fear has torment. And so if we're tormented, as James, 1 John chapter 4, verse 14 through 21 says, we can go there in a bit. If we are still tormented by these things, um, it's like we're still not in the perfect love of God or know or trust in the perfect goodness and plan of God. Um, so Job, though he was sitting in the midst of his pain, 
and he had cried out and his friends were accusing him and this had been going on for some time. How, how many of us, you've been in a, in a situation physically, not just in the world. I mean, the world is one thing, but what goes on inside of us is a, is a bigger matter, actually. The bigger war is, bet- is inside of us um, and we are tempted to murmur and to complain, become bitter, self-condemning. We rattle our cages, trying to figure out how we can get out, how we can make God happy. Our faith in the faithfulness of God to complete his work in us uh, diminishes. Uh, we lose our confidence in him. And we start to do what? Well, I say we start to analyze. We're looking for um, analyzing, self-assessment. We begin to try to find fault with God or with ourselves um, or with someone else to lay the charges of our trouble um, but Satan wants to make it our fault. He wants to bring it to our doorstep. You don't have enough faith. You don't have enough goodness. God's mad at you. Um, so the enemy uses his oppression of us to push us to the place of losing our faith, our peace in the goodness of God. You know, we actually, um, Satan wants us to, you know, hold God in contempt and we call him a liar. Yeah, and, and in the midst of these things, we can, we can lose heart. You know, we get we get discouraged. That's the temptation. Yeah, that's the temptation to lose God, uh, to lose heart, and we say, "Okay, where is God? You know, if God is so good, why is all this going on?" And uh, you know, can I can I trust Him? Can I trust Him when everything looks crazy and out of control and evil against us? Well, one of the things that happens here too is that because our concept of God and His goodness has been skewed totally by the church for them and you know we've mixed the gospel of grace and good news with the gospel of legalism and law and we believe that god is you know mad at us most of the time because we broke a law because we sinned well god is not happy with you sinning uh, because sinning is like believing a lie basically it's coming from believing a lie god is not happy but god already knew from the foundation of the world every time we would sin every time we would be discouraged every temptation we would have therefore god is the only one who's faithful and, and strong and there enough to to pull us out of it but when we get to this place where we're mad at god or we're disappointed with god or we you know we prayed 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 and it didn't happen then the next um option satan tempts us to do is to go inward and look and examine and ex- analyze ourselves. it must be me i must be bad you know we can't really you know technically feel good about being mad at God or judging God, although that's what we're doing because we're judging ourselves as being, you know, when you judge yourself as being unworthy, technically you're also judging God because when you say I have to earn God's love, then God's love is conditional. I have to be good enough to get God's blessing. Then you're making blessings earnable instead of a blessing as a gift. A healing is a gift. Uh, salvation is a gift. But when we make it about me being good enough or me not being good enough, we're also then making God to be conditional in his loving kindness, which is d- Satan for that. He gets a double whammy, you know, because, you know, he gets us to examine ourselves, and we come at concluding that because I'm bad and failing, God is mean and not going to give me what I'm asking for. A lot of times we can be in the place where we're, when, when things are going like, you know, crazy or evil, frustrating, discouraging, everything seems to be coming against us. We can focus on, okay, Lord, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And if you start looking at what's wrong with me, mm-hmm. well, God must, there must be something wrong with me. That God's trying to teach me a lesson or God's trying to, you know, shape me up here somehow. Right. There's something wrong with me. Well, God may point out something that needs correction in our lives. But if we're constantly at the place of self-examination 
and self condemnation. It's kind mm-hmm. of okay. There's something wrong with me because you will you if you. It's not that hard to find something wrong with you. <laughs> well, you with the devil's help, it's quite easy. Actually. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the accuser of yeah, the brethren. Yeah, so if so. you're if you're living a life focused inwardly on what's what's wrong with me, so there must be something really wrong with me that God doesn't like. Therefore, and then you look and look and you figure there's so much wrong with me. What's the use? Yeah, and this is exactly where the devil wants to go. This he takes advantage of the circumstances that he actually has created. You know, the 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 injury, the pain, the um the, the loss of a family member, uh, break breakups in the family and the marriages. He he creates those issues, and then he sets us in the middle of those circumstances, and he begins to find fault with us. And this you know gives him. And then as we find more fault with ourselves and, and we are separated more and more from the loving kindness of God, we're more and more pushed out on our own. And this deepens the sorrow, the estrangement, the separation, the self-condemnation, the self-contempt. And it gives the enemy a, good, a stronger grip on us because we're feeling like we've lost the favor of God. And we believe the lie, too, that favor from God uh, you know, getting your answers to prayer. It comes from good works. It comes from being perfect. It comes from, uh, you know, never making a mistake. And that is not how it works. Um, you as a father or mother don't, you know, uh, wait for your children to be perfect before you bless them or love them or pick them up and in, in your in your lap and hold them or hug them. You are not waiting for their perfect behavior their perfect comprehension of your goodness. You are just simply good and loving, and out of your good, loving kindness, you just you administer to them that love. And hopefully, by the grace of God, Satan is not twisting in their little minds and, and making them afraid of you. Um, but the same with, with, with Satan. He's trying to twist in our minds that somehow God is vindictive, God is hard to please, he's legalistic. So um, if we base the goodness of God or our understanding of the goodness of God, or his loving kindness, on our good works, in that system of having to earn his favor, um, uh, we'll never see his loving kindness, because we're never going to be good enough to see it. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and we we can think that sometimes our, our religious good works, you know, our, mm-hmm. our efforts to, put, yeah. to do what we believe God is wanting us to do, um, that that somehow that just you know gives us brownie points with the Lord. Yeah. It, it you know it's it's a horrible thing because yes we want to be pleasing to Him. We want you know what we do. We, it, we want it, we to want implies it, we we're want not. It, we want to please Him, right? But what we want to implies that we're not. If I know I'm pleasing God, even though I stumble, fall down, make mistakes, God still loves me because I'm His child. That makes you know a total different outcome of the whole thing because if i'm you know basing his loving kindness his goodness upon my goodness and ability to earn it then it puts it all back on me and that's where we break down so there's a difference between you know the fruit of the spirit the fruit of abiding in the lord and mm-hmm. a lot of you know religious good works you oh know? yeah it even can be you know reading my bible or being on this committee or doing this or doing that mm-hmm. Sometimes we figure, okay, if I'm if I'm busy enough with all these religious activities, and perfect in my God thoughts, is, yeah, that shows that I'm really uh, full of faith and that God is pleased with me. Well, you know, the thing is too, um, 
the the man who brought his son to Jesus said, "Lord, help my unbelief." And God did not. Jesus did not um, find fault with him and say, "Well, let's just wait till you get a little, little more faith here before we we do anything." You know, if you can, you know, or God help my help my imperfection, Lord God have mercy upon me. I think that's a great prayer. God have mercy upon me because you're actually acknowledging then that you do need mercy, that you have failed, and that now you're asking God to heal you or to make it right, and it's not about you earning it. So when you come to that other conclusion where it's up to me, it's a, it's back on me, and God's goodness and loving kindness depends on my behavior. Not to say, you know, we're not here making a, an argument for crazy, outrageous, bad behavior. bad behavior. Because, you know, number one, uh, you're made in the image of God and you don't even want to be bad in the first place. You don't want to sin. Sin is contrary to our divine nature. Feeling guilty for sinning is a perfect uh, proof that we're not made to sin because we don't feel good about it. We, we feel we're in conflict with our own divine nature. So if we would recognize that we're not built to, to sin, although we're put in a very difficult and sinful world where everything is set up against us, don't you think God has compassion on us? Don't you think he knows uh, the odds that are all against us? Don't you realize that he has to make it right or make us, work, you know, pull us through this or we won't make it? But we are tempted and twisted by the devil in our mind, in our soul, to think that if I just try harder. But when we try harder, we end up hating ourselves more because we're not perfect, because we can't do it, because we, we somehow there's something, I must have sinned, that's why I'm suffering. I don't believe all suffering comes from sinning. I believe Jesus suffered. I believe Job suffered. Job was not sinning before this all started. He was actually called a righteous man by God. There was a, there was a challenge that Satan brought uh, to God about Job's righteousness and declared that he could you know, prove to God that, that Job was not that genuine. The same with Peter. Um, Jesus said to Peter, he said, Satan has desired to have you, to, to sift you as wheat. Satan had approached the throne uh, to ask God to, to have permission to, to sift Peter, to prove to God that Peter was going to be um, unloyal, um, disloyal, that he was going to blow it, that he was going to deny the Lord. Well, the Lord already knew that from the foundation of the world, that Peter was he, human and that he would be weak and that he was impel, impetuous and impulsive. And, and yet God, you know, Satan was going to use this to prove to God that Peter was not worthy to be the leader. And God used it to actually make Peter worthy or qualified to be the leader by getting him to that place of surrender. And this is where conversion happens because Jesus said to Peter, when you are converted, this is old King James language, when you are converted, when you are changed, when you're transformed, when you really believe what you say you believe, when that happens, when you surrender, when you give it up, when you try, when you stop trying to be good enough to earn what I already have given you freely as a gift, when you surrender to that, then when you're converted, then you'll get it. You'll have enough. You'll know how to strengthen your brother. You'll know how to walk in peace. You'll know how to walk in, in the Holy Spirit. You'll not walk in your spirit or the devil con condemning you. You walk in the Holy Spirit. And if everything doesn't turn out right, then God's got a better plan. You go forward and God works. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, uh, and I think of two here in uh, Psalm 27, verse 11. It says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have written, risen against me. Sometimes these are things just within our hearts, that spirits that come to us that 
that give that paint God in a bad light. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They they just say, well, God doesn't care about you. You you're too sinful. You're too hopeless. You know, you got to do this or you don't got to do that. Um, such as have false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there we live in a in a violent world. Mm-hmm. These lies that come against us. But here's what. The psalmist writes here, this is David. He says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So what, he says, with all the stuff that's going on, I would have just lost heart, cashed it in, given up, said forget it, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so so he so surrendered. He surrendered. He, he trusted. Says, he said, in the midst of all this, he says, I am going to see the goodness of God. Your goodness is going to shine through mm-hmm. all this darkness and all this attack and all this mm-hmm. uh, viciousness mm-hmm. of my enemies. And then he says, This is verse, courage and this is faith. This is what faith really is. It's, it's, what is it? How does it go? Substance of things not hope or of things not seen? Yeah. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not, not seen, seen yeah. in, in the early chapter there of early in the chapter of Hebrews 11, then he says in Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord. Mm-hmm. It means wait in faith on the Lord. Be of good courage. Yep. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Keep trusting him. He's going to strengthen your heart. He's going to give you mm-hmm. courage in the midst of the assaults of the enemies yeah. around us. So when we make God's goodness towards us contingent upon our deserving it, um, then we put, you know, when we say I'm not worthy or I don't deserve it, you're actually saying, you're saying the same thing. You're saying, uh, because I'm not worthy, God can't be good to me. God is not good to me because I'm not worthy. Therefore, if I were worthy, God would be good to me. And therefore, it's about earning it. So it makes the loving kindness and goodness of God subservient to our ability to be good and to discipline ourselves to earn the goodness of God, the blessing of God, obligating God to help us. So actually, we're practicing witchcraft against God. Can you believe that? Because we're trying to manipulate him through our good behavior to get him to do what we want him to do, which is to bless us. When in fact, God's whole nature is love. God cannot not love you. God cannot not love you. Listen to me. God is love. God cannot not love you. He, he, that's because he, he can't go contrary to his own nature. Some of the things that happen, uh, even with parenting, some of the things your dad or mom might have done to you didn't look like love because they loved you enough to discipline you to, to correct the behavior and you took it personal and you got offended. So what God is doing here is training us up to walk in faith, which means I don't ma- it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like because I know. I K N O W by the Spirit of God that God is for me. God is not against me. And you have to grab a hold of these things. And this battle, this spiritual internal battle is a battle of of words. You know, am I going to believe and declare the goodness of God in the in the in the land of the living? Uh, like like Job? Am I going to say, though he slay me yet will I trust him? I believe my, my redeemer lives? Or are you going to cave? And I think this is what Satan was not expecting. He wasn't expecting Job to come out of this thing declaring the goodness of God. He was expecting Job to to cave, and he was going to then use that as proof to God that God wasn't able to keep him. But the bottom line is God is able to keep us in our fiery trials because God is the one who basically takes responsibility for all of it. 
because he has he made us he put us here he let us allowed us to come into this world which is basically a snake pit god put the rock there christ jesus and he wants us to stand on the rock but god is faithful to keep us he loves every one of us he's not a respecter of persons and so if you and i get that concept of the goodness of God, the love of God, the loving kindness of God, how will that change your outlook? How will that change how you look at the fiery trials in your life? How will that, because you then you can apply Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. Just like when, when Satan stole the kingdom from Adam and Eve, you know, he, he thought he had it right there. He did it, it was done. He was gonna, there was never gonna be another question about his right to rule. And yet God used that sin, that contempt against God's creation, God used that to justify himself coming back down onto the earth. I don't think he ever left, but coming back down to redeem us from the grip of the terrible one by dying on the cross. So when he died, when Jesus died on the cross, that actually gave us tangible proof, not just words, not just lip service, but tangible proof of the love of the Father and the Son for us, that they were both willing, the Father to give, the Son to go, to lay down their life. When the, when the Son died, the Father also had to look at that. He lost, he knew, it was tragedy. He, it, Jesus took on the sin of the whole world. He became like a sponge that absorbed every horrible, atrocious, vile, contemptuous, heinous thing that is ever done on this earth. He became all of that. The father couldn't even look at him. It says, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So they got to that bottom line where Jesus, he said that. And then he said, the next thing he said basically is into your hands, I commit my spirit. So he's my God, my God, why have you forsaken me becomes the ultimate surrender, the ultimate bottom line, bottom of the pit kind of thing. And then he said, I commit my spirit to you, so Lord, Father, it's up to you. What you want to do, it's up to you. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. So this is the gospel of Christ that he's bringing, okay? And because of his calling as, as a preacher, apostle, and teacher, and because of our calling uh, as as we're gifted to serve the Lord. He says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Yes. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. So because of you uh, as being a light, you and I as being lights on the earth, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, we have the the, the spirit of this world, the atmosphere mm-hmm. and the um, values, the persona mm-hmm. of the snake pit come against us constantly. He says, but I I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Why could he not be ashamed in the midst of this when I'm just suffering, getting attacked, shipwrecked, beaten because of my faithfulness to the Lord? He says, for I know whom I have believed. Mm -hmm. And this is the last part of 2 Timothy 1.12. And and persuaded that he is able to keep keep. Mm -hmm. what I have committed to him until that and and day. satan is challenging these words i know always. whom yeah. i have believed satan challenges these words in your soul do you really believe that well if you really believe that then why is god still doing this and why didn't he do that and you know and so we're we, really satan is trying to call into question again the goodness of god based on our circumstances but you know here's what happened before you and i even knew we existed the loving kindness of god went back to the beginning and his intentions in making us 
before you, you even knew what was going to happen. God said, let us make man in our image. Um, let there be light. He, he was the one who created that habitation for us. He was the one who has a plan for his family. For God so loved the world. You know, he died for us. He, and and he, like I said, he used Satan's invasion of sin and assault to justify his own intervention in our lives and in the world. So, but we have to understand that we were brought forth um, by God, put in this place for as a temporary place of, of uh, I would say, uh, de- deliverance, um, deliverance from the, the powers of darkness, from the lies, from the fear, um, perfection. God is perfecting us in the highway of holiness. Um, well, like one of our old uh, dear brothers used to say that this life is the dressing room for eternity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. getting, he's preparing us in this life for the next life. <laughs> but God, yes, that's why God came. Jesus stepped into this world and brought redemption. He brought restoration. He brought the recovery of all because it had been swept away. It had been lost by the enemy coming in and stealing from us. But we have to know, too, that even as Jesus came, he brought us a message in First John. We see that message clearly, but we don't actually see it clearly because most of the time we're reading the Bible with our eyes half open instead of in our heart half closed. <laughs> I just, that's an observation for myself. You can take it or not. First John chapter four, where when Jesus said, "I'm the vine, you're the branch," uh, you're abiding in me. You're you're nurturing your sustenance, your existence, your breath, your life is coming from me. I am the source of your life and your strength and your productivity and your fruitfulness. And so in uh, the, the first John, by the way, John was the one who knew the love of Jesus. You know, James, uh you read the book of James and you see a lot of faith and works and all that good stuff and more technical stuff. But in John, you see, what's he talking about? You know, he kind of talks in what goes like a circle and riddles because we don't really comprehend what John is trying to say because we're still, we're still, he says, perfect love casts out fear and fear is torment. Most of us are still being tormented by ourselves, what we did, what we didn't do, what God, you know, the judgments of God, the fear of God. And then we're promoting that among ourselves. We're trying to, you know, help people, but we help them by, by making them afraid and fear brings torment. But listen, first John chapter four, verse 14, and we have seen and testify. this is John talking. We have seen and testify that the father has sent the son as savior of the world. So he was right there. He was at the foot of the cross. He saw it all. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God abides in him and he in God. Jesus said that too. First uh, John chapter 15, we're abiding. If you confess you're abiding. Whether you feel it or not, you are abiding in him. And we have known and believed and loved that, uh, and we have known, not thought and felt, known and believed the love that God has for us, period. God is love, comma. And those who abide in love abide in God and God in them. So we have God abiding in us. God is right there with you in your trial. God is walking through it. God's loving kindness, God's overcoming, God's strength, God's healing, God's goodness is there for you. And he wants you just to really surrender. When you abide in something else, you've laid down your own attempts to do your own life. You're now receiving the nurturing, the sustenance from that other person. Love is verse 17. Um, we uh, abide in, in God and God in us, in him. The love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the, time, in the day of judgment or in the time of trouble or in the day of contradiction. We have, we have boldness 
that we don't have to try to figure it out and judge ourselves and get God to like us because as he is, so are we in the world. We're beat up. There's a lot of your suffering that you're being beat up uh, because you're chastened and chastening teaches us how to walk on the highway of holiness in, in Hebrews chapter 12. And so we don't want to get bitter at God for the chastening because whom are his sons, he chastens. We love him and it says, there is no fear in love. Okay, just stop right there and figure that one out today. Just mess with that today. Just let that be your, your guiding light. There's no fear in love. Are you afraid? Are you afraid to give, uh, that you're giving up, that you're swallowed up, that the depression is going to get to you, that uh, no one loves you, that you're going to never make it, that you can't get through this addiction, um, that you're never going to get your wife back? There is no fear in love. There you go. That's what God says. Okay, so if there's fear, there's no, then there's still not, but perfect love cast off your so there's still some need for perfection of the revelation of the love of God so you can actually ask Lord God give me the revelation a deeper revelation of your love for me in this matter because fear involves torment so if you're being tormented the this telltale sign of torment brings us to know that we're not yet walking in the perfect love of God however we can rebuke torment you can rebuke fear you don't have to just put up with them because you have a right to say what goes on in your mind, in your heart, in your temple. So you spirit of fear, you spirit of un- unloving uh, suspicions, guilt, witchcraft, uh, doubt, unbelief. You who are nibbling away at my, my life in God, I, I rebuke you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So, Father, we're thanking you today that you have given us the means, the, the means, uh, the, the power, the spirit to walk in that place of of overcoming, but also in the place of knowing that it is you, it is your goodness, your loving kindness that goes before us because we're abiding in you. We're in you. You're in us and we're in you. So Father God, I pray right now that you would um, reveal this deep and holy revelation to our souls, to our souls. I think we already know it in our spirits, but it's got to be transferred into our, our minds and our hearts and our understandings. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And today we want to uh, invite you to go back to liferecovery.com and check out some of the resources in that uh, store. Um, Man, I don't even know what to tell you about today. There's so many things out there. How about um, if God is so good, then why? It's a CD. If God is so good, then why are these bad things still happening to me? You know, um, understanding. uh, There's a lot to understand in the spiritual war. So again, if God is so good, then why? And uh, why are these bad things happening to me? God bless you. Have a good week, an awesome week. And, re- and know, K-N-O-W, the love of God, the loving kindness of God for you in your circumstances because he loves you. You are in him and he is in you. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.